Welcome to the Burst Leadership Podcast, short conversations designed to help you grow into a healthier leader, one who knows God, loves others, and embraces life. Sometimes it'll be like chatting together over a cup of coffee, and sometimes we'll take a deeper dive. Let's get started. In this season of the Burst Leadership Podcast, we really are taking a deeper dive into one of the most exciting topics in the world for anyone who's a leader and cares about building other leaders, especially in a life-transforming way. The only one who can do that is the greatest leader in the history of the world, Jesus of Nazareth. From his life as recorded in the four Gospels, we find the living example of a transformational approach to building leaders. With each episode, we are going to take one of those principles and break them down and talk about how to put them into practice. We are taking our cues from a book by Malcolm Weber called Building Leaders and a summary of the 18 principles in that book. This is going to be a mini journey. It is like climbing a mountain slowly and we're going to notice a lot of things about the entire process of climbing from how long it should take, to how many people you should bring with you, to the kind of tools you need as a team. Each principle is really short, but each is very dynamic. And if you can master these principles in your life, you will be set on a journey of personal transformation and of literally changing the lives of those you lead for generations to come. So come with us on this journey, step by step. Beneath our logo at Leadersaurus are these words. Healthy leaders, be one, build many. And that's what it's all about. This season is dedicated first to Malcolm Weber at Leadersaurus for his many years of strategic thinking and practice in the whole area of leader development. Many wonderful things around the world are happening because of his work. And second, I dedicate this series to my former colleague and dear friend and mentor, Robert Walter, who lived and taught these principles in a joy-filled way until his journey on this earth was done in early 2021. Robert, this is for you. And finally, to you, the frontline Christian worker around the world. We know many of our friends from many nations are listening, and we want you to know that we remember you. We honor you and your work, and we want to strengthen you in your walk with God, your family, and the many people you serve in your churches and ministries. You are the real deal. The global church is growing because of God's work through you. So may this series of podcasts strengthen you in many ways in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. Welcome, everyone. 
In this mini-series, we're going to walk through the 18 principles of healthy leader development from Malcolm Weber's book, Building Leaders. This podcast series is actually a complete description of the model of building leaders that we call connections. The connections model is named that simply because around the world, there's a disconnect between the knowledge many Christian leaders have about the Bible and their real lives. There's also a vast canyon of separation between theology and life. This model reconnects us back to Jesus and his goal of holistic transformation through the building of life. So, if you're a Christian leader who wants to see more life in your ministry and build more leaders and really just have more joy in your own life, this series is for you. If you've recently finished a Building Healthy Leaders course from LeaderSource, this is going to be a great review, and our hope is that it will cement you deeper into these principles, because every one of these principles flows out of the scriptures and out of the life of the local church. And I have found that is why each of them is absolutely a great description of how to build leaders. You can use them for your own benefit and share them with others who have taken the Building Healthy Leaders course. And if this is your first exposure to the Connections model and to LeaderSource, then we welcome you and we're excited that you're about to take a deeper dive in one of the best things about ministry today. This is not the training itself, but it's a mini version of it. And our brains, you know, often forget what we've learned Personally, I've tried to go deeper into each of these principles, and I've discovered how powerful they are when I've become intentional about each one. Spiritually, these lessons take us closer to Jesus himself. We begin to see the immense power, wisdom, and ingenuity that Jesus had when he built his disciple leaders. One shocking thing around the world in Christian churches is that we are not following Jesus as our model for building and growing the church. But it's his life, his way of living, and his way of building people that we need to come back to. After all, it is his church, and ultimately, he is the one in charge of everything. So let's come closer to him step by step as we learn these things and apply them in our lives. We are hoping, by God's help, to start a revolution a movement of healthy leader-building ministries around the world. These 18 principles of effective leader development are set in six large categories. And the first large category is holistic. Effective leader development must be holistic. Here's how we explain that. The church needs healthy leaders. Not just leaders, but healthy leaders. That's our word for a holistic definition. The healthy Christian leader will be strong in five areas. Christ, community, character, calling, and competencies. So an effective process of leader development will include and integrate all five of these focuses. If you only have a year in which to build an emerging leader and send him or her off into full-time ministry, what would you focus on? Actually, the question is, when Jesus faced this actual situation, what did he focus on? And what we find is that he cared about the whole person. 
Jesus absolutely cares about our spiritual relationship with him, but he also cares about our community. That is our family, the church teams we serve with, and the people we know in the city where we live. And even deeper than that, he cares about our character, our humility and integrity. And he wants us to have a deep sense of our calling. And of course, he wants us to be gifted and to develop our gifts and talents. And we call these competencies. So, of course, Jesus needs preachers. For without the word of God being taught, how shall people hear the word of God? But if those preachers lack integrity, or they are prideful, or they don't know how to love each other, how can they be representing Jesus and his church? So, Jesus, for Jesus, his goal is the whole person. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love those around us as Jesus has loved us. And if our leader development programs do not reach this goal, then they are missing the mark. This 5C goal is taught at a deep level at our training called Building Healthy Leaders, BHL. Malcolm Weber has also written a book about it called Healthy Leaders. He covers the five C's. You can also watch teaching on this at our YouTube channel, Leadersaurus SGA. I hope you'll come back next time when we talk about principles in the spiritual category. There's two, and they're both amazing and powerful. Well, that's it for today. Be a healthy leader and go with God and have a great day. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. Welcome, everyone. We're working our way through 18 principles of healthy leader development from Malcolm Weber's book, Building Leaders. Last time we talked about the fact that the church needs healthy leaders. And the word healthy really means holistic. Christ, community, character, calling, competencies. This 5C goal has to be right in front of us all the time. Not just focus on one, but all five. Today, let's talk about two really challenging principles that fall under the spiritual category. Here they are. Principle number two. Ultimately, God is the one who builds leaders. Therefore, in any program we design, we must let the Holy Spirit have his way. We must never allow our agenda to prevent him from accomplishing his agenda. So everything we do, everything we plan is for God to use to change in the life of the participants, to help the emerging leader understand God's past work in his life, and then to respond to God's present dealings in their life. And they're going through a lot. And finally, to prepare this future leader for God's future work in their life and ministry. So it can't be about us or in our plan and our design. God is right now developing and coming into the life of this emerging leader in special ways. And we just have to recognize that.
Leader development principle number three, prayer must saturate leader development. I have to say in the 18 principles, as I've read them over and over, this one has to be one of the most challenging. It's challenging not only personally, but it's challenging to every program you've ever seen. Because you just don't see prayer as a priority. You don't see it designed into the program. You don't see it designed into the relational time that people have. And what we're doing is we're actually just giving lip service to prayer or just starting out with a prayer and ending with one. But prayer must saturate it. Dr. Weber says, Jesus consistently prayed for with and over emerging leaders. Moreover, Jesus revealed the Father to his disciples. They saw God. They heard his voice and touched him from 1 John chapter 1. So the primary characteristic of an effective Christian leader is that he knows God and that he lives and ministers out of inward union with Christ. And our primary responsibility in building new leaders is to lead them to know God. And therefore, we must teach them to pray. That's a long quote from Dr. Weber. Wow. Does this principle live in your discipleship programs, in your leadership development programs? Is it alive? Have you given prayer its full play? I remember one time I was leading a group of nine they were all graduate students. And I said, give me your Sunday nights for a year and I'll help build you into the kind of leader God wants you to be. And as the months went by and as I faced these principles, I realized it was this one that was missing. It wasn't totally missing, but look at the word, saturate. And as I began to face these questions, I read the New Testament, especially the Gospels over and over, looking for how Jesus built leaders. And I realized Jesus was doing this. He was living it out. One example I want to leave you with is when Peter says to the Lord, Lord, I will even die for you. And he says, will you? And then he prophesies what he's going to do before the rooster crows. But then he says, but Peter, I have prayed for you. You're going to be sifted, but I've prayed for you. And you're going to come back and you're going to strengthen your brethren. So Jesus himself had a prayer-saturated life for his disciples. And even though he knew his emerging leaders were going to go through a terrible, terrible trial, he had built up a deposit in the kingdom of God of prayers that will strengthen and revive the hearts of those leaders, even as they fall or after they fall. What do you think he was doing those mornings when he went out into solitude? What do you think he was doing when he was up on the mountain as the disciples were out in the boat and going against the heavy winds? Jesus was deeply connected with God and his union with God. He knew that his, whole, his goal was holistic, not just biblical knowledge, but biblical reality, a living union, faith, relationship with God. In order for that to happen, there has to be 
a God presence in everything we do. And in order for that to happen, prayer has to saturate it. That's principle number three. Go with God, have a great day. We'll continue on with the whole relational area next. And there's some great ones in there. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. Welcome back. We're going through the 18 principles of developing leaders in Malcolm Weber's book, Building Leaders. And we've come to the second big area. The first big area we shared about last time was the entire spiritual dynamic of life transformation. And it is absolutely indispensable. The fact that it is God himself who is doing the work and that we therefore must saturate the work of building leaders with prayer is so powerful, it is hard to believe that there is more, and yet there is. And each of these dynamics are ordained by God and are used by God, and therefore his ministers are called to be his co-laborers and build disciples in a life-giving and life-changing way. So today, I want to talk about the key principle related to the relational dynamic. And this is absolutely an amazing principle, and it is all summed up under one big ministry-altering statement. Are you ready? Here it is. Leaders are built in community. Wow. If your process of discipleship, if your setup of any Bible school, seminary, or leader training is going on and it's not heavily enriched with intentional relationship of various kinds, then you're not living in the reality of this principle. And this is the one that Jesus so clearly showed us as he chose 12 that they might be with him, the Bible says. And sometimes there were 70 and sometimes there was 120. But the whole point of it is that he didn't just choose one. He did not just choose two, nor did he start a school of 5,000. He chose a small community because he knew the relational community had power to shape and to be used by God his Father in the nurturing and the transformation of lives. Let's consider for just a moment the difference between the two kinds of learners. For example, doing a study on Paul's letter to the Philippians. The first learner is someone who's taking a course on the Bible, thinking through the truths. And if it's a Bible school, they're even writing papers about it and interacting with classmates and doing Q&A with the teacher. The second learner is immersed in supportive and accountable community. It's a spiritual-centered community as evidenced by their prayer lives and the goal of experiencing union with Christ regularly. In this situation, there's great intentionality built into the community through relationships. There's one-to-one daily sharing with a classmate, relationships with a small group of five who are doing ministry together while studying. The learners and the main teacher meet informally for meals and even do retreats together. Each learner is paired with a life mentor who listens and prays and helps the student grapple 
to apply scripture, never letting the student get away with an intellectual understanding of the word of God only, but making sure that life application takes place in real actions and attitudes. The design of this second situation has fully embraced the relational dynamic and believes that leaders are built in community. This is just one example focused on God's word. Remember, we have a holistic goal. So it's not just our relationship with Christ that's the goal. It's also our character in our relationships. So intentional design using relationships to shape character will also come out of this principle. Just like the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. Wow, that is huge. Most of us need our character shaped. Uh, One small example, which is actually huge, is the whole area of humility. So coming to Philippians chapter 2, a traditional learner will be told that learning its content and thinking about it is enough, and hopefully they will do some personal application. But in a fully dynamic design, actions will be taken to work out a deeper humility in someone's life, such as serving others, or apologizing to others, or getting to know someone different than themselves. The shaping power of community. Jesus left us with a clear testimony of those who see disciples of his. He said, they said, they love one another. Only in a rich environment of relationships can this happen. That's the relationship principle. Leaders are built in community. Go with God, have a great day, and we'll continue on with the next principle next time. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. Welcome back. Well, there are 18 principles of effective leader building. The key word is effective. And that means there must be a way of evaluating if something is working well or not. Evaluation is so tough to do well. And because of that, many ministries just continue on with their traditional models of leadership programs or Bible schools. On a separate podcast, we'll talk a lot about the whole critical area of evaluation. But what I want to remind you of today is that to change your current model into something that is truly effective means significant movement toward the realities in these principles. Learning them is one thing, but implementing them is where the power will come in and lives will be changed So today we come to the principle number five, and it's relational in nature. Last time, remember, it was the huge principle, leaders are built in community. Well, how about this time? Principle number five says, leaders build leaders. And I'll read what Malcolm Weber has written. By themselves, teachers and courses don't build leaders. It takes a leader to impart the vision, passion, courage, and strategic perspectives of leadership. Packages don't build leaders. We should expect each leader to take the tool and use it differently. The tool must not rule. Now, I have to admit, the first time I heard this phrase, 
leaders build leaders. I didn't quite understand the power of it, but now I do. And I want to share with you its deeper meaning. Unfortunately, leaders who are looking to build people often become like shoppers going down the aisle of programs and curriculum. And they're searching for answers and for packaged programs that will satisfy the needs of their people. But this principle teaches us what Christ actually did. He didn't just say to his disciples, go ahead and keep going to the synagogue and doing your several prayers a day. In other words, he didn't just point them towards some traditional program. It was he himself, the leader, who was living with them and opened his self up to them and real relationships, real ministry situations and challenges, and to the very awesome responsibility of building the life of God and love of others and strong character and abilities into the lives of a small group of disciples. Friends, Jesus knew if he didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. And that's what I want to challenge you with. There are groups of people around you who simply will not attain the level of leader capacity they might unless you yourself build them. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. Yes, handing them a book on leadership is good. And it's even better if you meet with them once a week. But what is even better than that? To be truly effective at reaching your holistic goal, it has to be highly personal. It has to be like what Paul wrote about in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know, the English versions here have a hard time translating that first phrase. The Amplified Version says, We were tenderly and affectionately desirous of you. Yes, it's love, but we see a strong, personal, emotional bonding with these believers. And you might say, well, is it that necessary? Do we have to love them that much? I thought we were just making disciple leaders. Don't you see what we've done to this entire process? We've mechanized it. Whereas Jesus and Paul and the disciples deeply personalized it. No, you can't be everything to everyone, but you had better be affectionately desirous and caring for a few, and they need to know it. So to answer your question, no, you don't have to love them personally if you don't care about changing their lives. But if you want to do it the way Jesus did it and Paul did it and the disciples, then you surely do need to become affectionately desirous and caring personally for a few leaders. Leaders build leaders. And they have to know it deep in their hearts that they're loved. Because when they fail and when they're not living up to their leadership potential, the difference between them leaving and staying will largely be your personal relationship with them. And as you are teaching others to build leaders, you will sharpen your skills as you go through the same process of building people that they are. You might be at a place in your life and ministry where you say, I see that I need to be building leaders, but no one ever did that for me. Wow, we hear that a lot. 
But this is the challenge of a pioneering leader. That's who you are. You are doing something where it has not been done before, and you get the surge of joy that comes from that. But of course, it's a lot of work. All I can say is that you will learn as you go, and that means dependence on God. Friends, there's simply no substitute for you as a leader to be building leaders yourself. I just want to encourage you that it might just be the most joyful, life-giving, meaningful thing you've ever done in your life. And when you stand before God, I believe it's the lives that were closest to you that will be the most happy thing for you. That's our thought for the day. Leaders build leaders. Go with God. Have a great day. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast, and I'm Brent Hoover. We're continuing on in the relational dynamic of effective leader development. Now, we've been going pretty fast, so let's review for a moment. Remember, the first big area of leader-building ministries was it must be holistic. The second big category was that they must be spiritually dynamic. And within that, we talked about how it is God who builds leaders, So we must allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. We can't have this rigid program where we're going through things. There might be moments where people are broken by what they're learning, and we need to stop and allow God to do a deeper work in all the participants' lives. Or someone might be struggling with pride, and the group has to go into that direction for a while. So give God the space to work and stay open to that and be looking for it. Because that's what it's all about, right? And second, there was the principle that prayer must saturate the entire process and design because the entire goal for them is to know God deeply and prayer opens up that reality. The third area is that leader development must be relationally dynamic. And so far, we've talked about two principles there. Leaders are built in community and It is leaders themselves who build leaders, not programs or material. You see, all of these are interconnected, and the next relational principle is also related to the previous ones, and here it is. Principle number six. Leaders who build leaders should themselves be involved in the daily responsibilities of leadership. Let me read that again. Leaders who build leaders should themselves be involved in daily responsibilities of leadership. They should not teach in an artificial environment removed from the real world. What else can we say about this? We want to avoid the mistake of putting someone in a leadership teaching or training role for years while they completely opt out of the context of building leaders in real life. Unfortunately, this happens, and they end up teaching more from past personal history at best, or teaching mere theories. I would say this should include Bible teachers. Even Bible teachers 
teachers are by their role building leaders, even though they may not see their ministry that way. They're using their teaching gift in the classroom, but each of them should be following Paul's example in some way of doing 2 Timothy 2.2, building into faithful people who will then build others. As we look at Acts 19, we also see Jesus and Paul, who both conducted what Malcolm Weber calls extensive, fruitful, personal ministries while concurrently building new leaders. But why? Why do this? What's the benefit? Why not just have some dedicated trainers who do nothing but teach on leadership? Well, the definition of this principle goes on to say that this practice of being involved in leadership while you're building leaders, while you're teaching leadership, maintains integrity and reality. It brings credibility and empathy and dramatically increases effectiveness. My personal experience is I had a course in my graduate school of missions on church planting. And it was taught by a professor who had never planted churches. To his credit, he told us this on the first day, that he had been assigned to teach a course, but he had no personal experience. He was in a bind. The school was in a bind. They had to do it. Sometimes institutions do these things. But thankfully, he brought in a lot of guest speakers who did have experience, almost every class. And of course, he had us read good books and reflect on the strategies. That professor became a humble learner with us, facilitating our learning. He had lived in Africa, and he taught theology, but that was the sphere of his influence. But let me just mention what could have been if they'd followed this principle. We're talking about integrity and reality. Imagine if the man standing in front of us had spent 15 years planting churches and was still doing it as he taught us. That would have upped our respect and his credibility in our eyes. And we would have been very eager to learn from the things that he'd learned in the battle. And then as we went to do church planting, which is what we should be doing as students of it, that trainer would have had a great level of empathy for us. And both learner and trainer would have had increased effectiveness. So that is the burst leadership principle of the day, that those who are involved in building leaders should themselves be involved in daily responsibility of leadership. Go with God and have a great day. This is the Burst Leadership Podcast, and I'm Brent Hoover. We're continuing on in the relational dynamic of effective leader development. Now, we've been going pretty fast, so let's review for a moment. Remember, the first big area of leader building ministries was it must be holistic. The second big category was that they must be spiritually dynamic. And within that, we talked about how it is God who builds leaders 
So we must allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. We can't have this rigid program where we're going through things. There might be moments where people are broken by what they're learning, and we need to stop and allow God to do a deeper work in all the participants' lives. Or someone might be struggling with pride, and the group has to go into that direction for a while. So give God the space to work and stay open to that and be looking for it, because that's what it's all about, right? And second, there was the principle that prayer must saturate the entire process and design, because the entire goal for them is to know God deeply, and prayer opens up that reality. The third area is that leader development must be relationally dynamic. And so far, we've talked about two principles there. Leaders are built in community, and it is leaders themselves who build leaders, not programs or material. You see, all of these are interconnected, and the next relational principle is also related to the previous ones. And here it is. Principle number six. Leaders who build leaders should themselves be involved in the daily responsibilities of leadership. Let me read that again. Leaders who build leaders should themselves be involved in daily responsibilities of leadership. They should not teach in an artificial environment removed from the real world. What else can we say about this? We want to avoid the mistake of putting someone in a leadership teaching or training role for years while they completely opt out of the context of building leaders in real life. Unfortunately, this happens and they end up teaching more from past personal history at best or teaching mere theories. I would say this should include Bible teachers. Even Bible teachings teachers are, by their role, building leaders, even though they may not see their ministry that way. They're using their teaching gift in the classroom, but each of them should be following Paul's example in some way of doing 2 Timothy 2.2, building into faithful people who will then build others. As we look at Acts 19, we also see Jesus and Paul, who both conducted what Malcolm Weber calls extensive, fruitful, personal ministries while concurrently building new leaders. But why? Why do this? What's the benefit? Why not just have some dedicated trainers who do nothing but teach on leadership? Well, the definition of this principle goes on to say that this practice of being involved in leadership while you're building leaders while you're teaching leadership, maintains integrity and reality. It brings credibility and empathy and dramatically increases effectiveness. My personal experience is I had a course in my graduate school of missions on church planting. And it was taught by a professor who had never planted churches. To his credit, he told us this on the first day that he had been assigned to teach a course, but he had no personal experience. He was in a bind. The school was in a bind. They had to do it. Sometimes institutions do these things. But thankfully, he brought in a lot of guest speakers who did have experience, almost every class. And of course, he had us read good books and reflect on the strategies. 
that professor became a humble learner with us, facilitating our learning. He had lived in Africa, and he taught theology, but that was the sphere of his influence. But let me just mention what could have been if they'd followed this principle. We're talking about integrity and reality. Imagine if the man standing in front of us had spent 15 years planting churches and was still doing it as he taught us. That would have upped our respect and his credibility in our eyes, and we would have been very eager to learn from the things that he'd learned in the battle. And then as we went to do church planting, which is what we should be doing as students of it, that trainer would have had a great level of empathy for us. And both learner and trainer would have had increased effectiveness. So that is the burst leadership principle of the day, that those who are involved in building leaders should themselves be involved in daily responsibility of leadership. Go with God and have a great day. Welcome, friends. I'm Brent Hoover. In this Burst podcast, we will look at the seventh principle of effective leader development. Of all the 18 principles, this one is going to challenge your entire paradigm probably more than the others. So get ready. But this principle is so life-giving, so powerful, and so radically different than most approaches to solving the leadership crisis in the global church that it has the potential to lead us to redesign just about everything. With each principle, it would be good if you did a little self-evaluation and asked yourself, how much is our current way of building leaders embracing this principle? And also ask yourself, how much am I personally embracing it? Okay, here's principle number seven. Leaders are built a few at a time. These principles are so short, they're worth repeating. In just eight words, your world could be turned upside down by the principle, leaders are built a few at a time. What is surprising about this truth is that we all know that Jesus chose to build a few at a time. But most of our designed programs have attempted to build many more at a time than even Jesus did. Isn't that incredible? Why have we done that? It seems we have so drifted away from Jesus as our model and moved in the direction of trusting our own methods that we unconsciously or consciously have decided that we know a better way. Friends, He is the way for us. Let me ask you a question. How effective was Jesus at building His future leaders? We know that He was profoundly effective And that in a short time, those men and women turned the world upside down, and they multiplied and spread throughout the Roman world in mere decades. And so the twin leadership crisis of quantity and quality was solved in how Jesus lived out the Father's will. He personally built a few leaders 
as he did ministry to many. He didn't just tell others to go do it. He did it. We saw this in principle number five, that leaders build leaders. And out of the hundreds of disciples who were following him, he chose 12 to especially be with him and so that he could send them out according to the gospel records. Within years, the Holy Spirit through these men and women grew the church throughout the Roman Empire. The first 300 years saw the most rapid expansion of the church in its 2,000-year-old history. God used healthy leaders to lead and feed his church. So the answer is clear. Jesus was profoundly effective in his leader-building approach of building a few at a time. What is surprising is that most of our existing programs don't incorporate this into our designs. Why don't they? Well, it's counterintuitive. Jesus is showing us if we want to affect the many, we have to begin with the few. The principle, of course, comes from the relational dynamic and is intimately connected to the principle of leaders building leaders. The reality for you and me is this. How many individuals can you be close to at one time? If you could be intentionally building five or ten people at one time, that would be amazing. If a disciple leader program in your church had 15 or so participants, that would be wonderful. Of course, the word few is relative. What does a few mean? It generally means a small group. For a learning cohort, it probably means less than 20. And in those situations, there should be several leaders who can build relationships with the participants. But for an individual leader, even building three or four people over a one to two year period is an excellent approach. If you did this for 10 years, you would have built 20 emerging leaders at a very deep level. It seems obvious But one person building 20 people at a time does not seem realistic nor effective. But why is this true? Because God has so designed us that after a group becomes big enough, we tend to disengage. The leader's influence becomes more of an influence of instruction and character than personal relationship. To do it well and to be effective which is our goal, we want to build the life of Christ in others through prayer, spending time together, serving together, facing challenges, resting and retreating together, challenging and encouraging each other, and a very important important point is this, being open in our love with one another, revealing your true heart and life to another person. And that's just not possible or practical with a large group of people, but it's quite doable with a small group or a handful of people. We know that Jesus sought to do the Father's will, and when he went up the mountain, there were many disciples following him. And when he came down the mountain, he intentionally and carefully chose 12. So we know that up on the mountain while in prayer, Jesus must have realized from the Father that he wanted him to narrow his focus. And so he did. And the world has never been the same. So why not be like Jesus? 
Build a few and build them well. Some years ago, I realized that this is what God wanted us to do, and I wrote down the names of the people in the past five years or so that I saw that I was having an influence on. I recognized that these were God-given relationships. I think it's really important that we actually write the names down. I have watched the Jesus film probably more than 70 times, and in one of those scenes, Jesus comes down the mountain and chooses his 12 disciples. Walking through a crowd of people, he puts his hand on one of them, or he hugs them, and he's letting them know, you're one of my 12. As I thought about it, I realized I needed to do this. I wanted to let those men know, you're one of my 12. Because it's important that they know it. And it does not matter if it's three people or seven people or more. And it doesn't matter if it's not formal discipleship or a training program. Many of the names I wrote down are of people that I only talk to once a month or more, but they've remained with me for years. They're special. Here's what I realized by telling them, you're one of my 12. God wanted me to be intentional about building life into them. I have to realize that for a small group of men, God wants me to keep loving them in the fullest possible way to the end of their lives. I cannot do that with everyone, but I can do that with a few. I love that phrase in John 13, 1. Jesus loved them to the end. He had loved his disciples during his ministry, and here John writes a Greek phrase, Ace telos. It is emphasizing the fullness or the extreme nature of Jesus' love. It means to the maximum. And they saw it both in the foot washing, but most clearly in the cross. Think of it. Only a few of them were at the Last Supper. Only a few went with him up on the mountain and saw him glorified. Only a few were in the boat when Jesus calmed the storm. Only a few were on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. Only a few met Jesus on the beach when he cooked fish for them and asked Peter if Peter really loved him. In our world of ministry, publicity, promotion, and addiction to all things big, Jesus' building of a few looks quite different. We like big meetings, conferences, and worship services, big numbers, big lecture halls at theology schools. Now, there's nothing wrong with big crowds. Jesus had huge crowds following him. I loved the large conferences I attended. They profoundly changed the direction of my life in that moment. But they were rare moments. And they did not replace my need to have a leader in my life show me the way. And most importantly, at those big conferences, I was not loved. Let me conclude this podcast with a quote from Malcolm Weber's book. The idea of personally and quickly raising up thousands of leaders is not a biblical one. The biblical model is this. 
The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 2 Timothy 2.2 In other words, build a few good leaders who will each build a few good leaders who each will do the same and so on. In a relatively short time, we will have the multiplication of leaders we need. The difference is they will be good leaders. This is our principle. Leaders are built a few at a time. Go with God and have a great day. Hi friends, I'm Brent Hoover, and today we come to the last of several principles in this very powerful relational area. In this section of our series, we've so far spoken about four relational principles, and here they are. Leaders are built in community. Leaders themselves build leaders. Leaders need to be involved in the daily responsibility of leadership, and leaders are built a few at a time. Now we come to the last of the relational dynamic principles. But before we do, let's step back for a moment. Remember, to be biblical, our leader development goal must be holistic. Our goal is developing the whole person, and that is our 5C goal. Later on, we'll take a deep dive into each of those areas. But in this series, we're talking about the effective process that will take you to your destination or the soil in which transformation can take place. The five C's speak of the end goal. We want to see a leader who truly walks with God, who lives in real community, giving and receiving love and is shaped by relationships. We want a leader who has a focus on growing true inner character, who has clarity in their calling from God and who has developed the gifts to serve. The big question is this. Once you have a clear goal, how do you take people to that destination? The 18 principles of effective leader development are really showing you how to take people to that destination. Many of these principles fall into four categories that we call the four dynamics of transformation. We first spoke about the important spiritual dynamics, and today we will finish the relational dynamic principles. So here it is, number eight. We must build the right ones. Choosing the right people to build into will determine your outcome as much as anything. You see, these principles are all very tightly interconnected with each other. Since it is leaders themselves who are building leaders, and since you build them a few at a time, then it follows that you had better choose them wisely. Just think about it. You're saying to this person, I'm going to share my life with you. It's a lot of time and effort. The hardest realization for any leader is to look at all the wasted time in your programs because you did not have the right kind of people involved. Yes, you want godly and faithful people, 
But those are foundational things that all disciples need to have. But to go to the next level, which is your leader training program, you need to look for more. On YouTube, we have a full training on this by Malcolm Weber, if you search for it. Look up LeaderSource SGA and go to the the, uh, PowerPoint called Leader ID, Identifying High Potential Emerging Leaders. It shows a biblical model and case studies. It's very practical and you should just listen to it because there's years of valuable wisdom there. But here, let me share the big ideas from that training, and they are two. Building the right ones means building, number one, those who think, and number two, those who act. Thinking and acting will determine how high and how far a person may go with what you give them. So let's say your church is starting a new Bible training program. You should not just choose nice Christians for your participants. In our training PowerPoint, there's a humorous graphic that shows a referral form for a potential student applying to a Bible school. Under the name, there are about nine boxes, and they all have the same descriptive word next to it. Nice, 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 nice. So we're not just looking for nice Christians. Actually, you should be looking for those who are good thinkers and people of action, because that will determine leadership potential. Jesus had a year of traveling and preaching in different places after he was baptized and before he appointed the twelve as his special apostles. So he had time to observe people and see what kind of men they were. So, likewise, you and your team should be observant people. Be on the lookout. And if you cannot do that, then find out from the community that the person is in what they are really like. In the whole process, Jesus was deeply dependent on God. He even spent a night of prayer on a mountain. But he also had a lifestyle of solitude and prayer. God led the church during their prayer times when they chose leaders. Paul also did this and chose Timothy after the community had testified what kind of person he was. He was a thinking and acting kind of person. Finally, it is wise, if you don't know enough about them, to test them. God tested people in the Old Testament. Jesus tested his disciples. Paul did it. Test them with opportunities or see how they work with certain people. In the end, you must do this by faith and be intentional. But your relationships with people will give you the most practical guidance in this. Finally, make it a life practice. Be looking to God for potential people to build into. Ask Him for the right ones. Once you do this, the adventure begins. It will change them, and it will change you. Go with God, and have a great day. Hi friends, I'm Brent Hoover. 
And today we come to the last of several principles in this very powerful relational area. In this section of our series, we've so far spoken about four relational principles, and here they are. Leaders are built in community. Leaders themselves build leaders. Leaders need to be involved in the daily responsibility of leadership. And leaders are built a few at a time. Now we come to the last of the relational dynamic principles. But before we do, let's step back for a moment. Remember, to be biblical, our leader development goal must be holistic. Our goal is developing the whole person, and that is our 5C goal. Later on, we'll take a deep dive into each of those areas. But in this series, we're talking about the effective process that will take you to your destination, or the soil in which transformation can take place. The five C's speak of the end goal. We want to see a leader who truly walks with God, who lives in real community, giving and receiving love, and is shaped by relationships. We want a leader who has a focus on growing true inner character, who has clarity in their calling from God, and who has developed the gifts to serve. The big question is this. Once you have a clear goal, how do you take people to that destination? The 18 principles of effective leader development are really showing you how to take people to that destination. Many of these principles fall into four categories that we call the four dynamics of transformation. We first spoke about the important spiritual dynamics, and today we will finish the relational dynamic principles. So here it is, number eight. We must build the right ones. Choosing the right people to build into will determine your outcome as much as anything. You see, these principles are all very tightly interconnected with each other. Since it is leaders themselves who are building leaders, and since you build them a few at a time, then it follows that you had better choose them wisely. Just think about it. You're saying to this person, I'm going to share my life with you. It's a lot of time and effort. The hardest realization for any leader is to look at all the wasted time in your programs because you did not have the right kind of people involved. Yes, you want godly and faithful people, but those are foundational things that all disciples need to have. But to go to the next level, which is your leader training program, you need to look for more. On YouTube, we have a full training on this by Malcolm Weber, if you search for it. Look up LeaderSource SGA and go to the, the uh, PowerPoint called Leader ID. Identifying High Potential Emerging Leaders. It shows a biblical model and case studies. It's very practical and you should just listen to it because there's years of valuable wisdom there. But here let me share the big ideas from that training and they are two. Building the right ones means building, number one, those who think and number two, those who act. Thinking and acting will determine how high and how far a person may go with what you give them. So let's say your church is starting a new Bible training program. 
you should not just choose nice Christians for your participants. In our training PowerPoint, there's a humorous graphic that shows a referral form for a potential student applying to a Bible school. Under the name, there are about nine boxes, and they all have the same descriptive word next to it. Nice, 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 nice. So we're not just looking for nice Christians. Actually, you should be looking for those who are good thinkers and people of action, because that will determine leadership potential. Jesus had a year of traveling and preaching in different places after he was baptized and before he appointed the twelve as his special apostles. So he had time to observe people and see what kind of men they were. So, likewise, you and your team should be observant people. Be on the lookout. And if you cannot do that, then find out from the community that the person is in what they are really like. In the whole process, Jesus was deeply dependent on God. He even spent a night of prayer on a mountain. But he also had a lifestyle of solitude and prayer. God led the church during their prayer times when they chose leaders. Paul also did this and chose Timothy after the community had testified what kind of person he was. He was a thinking and acting kind of person. Finally, it is wise, if you don't know enough about them, to test them. God tested people in the Old Testament. Jesus tested his disciples. Paul did it. Test them with opportunities or see how they work with certain people. In the end, you must do this by faith and be intentional. But your relationships with people will give you the most practical guidance in this. Finally, make it a life practice. Be looking to God for potential people to build into. Ask Him for the right ones. Once you do this, the adventure begins. It will change them, and it will change you. Go with God, and have a great day. I'm Brent Hoover, and this is another Burst Leadership Podcast on the 18 Principles of Effective Leader Development. Well, congratulations, you've made it through the first eight principles, and that means you're halfway. Great job. You've digested some wonderful truths about leadership and building people, and hopefully you've started acting on these things. And I want to encourage you on this point. Typically, people wait until they're all done with some study, and then they put it away for a while, and they think about it, but they never really do too much. Only a few end up taking action steps. A better way is to take action now, while you're in the process of learning something. This is as simple as sharing what you've learned with someone else. This will solidify your learning as you articulate your understanding of things. You could also take one area of your life and work and start adding in several of these transformational principles. But ultimately, it's when you begin helping someone else grow as a leader that you actually begin to master the ways of building people or designing a program.
So get together with someone you trust, someone who is also excited about leadership, and share these ideas together and start to design your own personalized, localized approach. Of course, it will not be perfect, but it will be yours. And you will grow so much in doing that. Remember that it's often just past the halfway point that many people give up. Because just past halfway is when you start to get tired and you're still far away from being finished. So don't think of this podcast as a course to finish. Think of this as fuel for your journey. Today is exciting because we come to the whole area of developing leaders using the experiential dynamic. And there are three principles that will breathe life into any ministry if you're not currently including the power of experiential learning in your approach. These principles connect us to real-world challenges of life. Remember, one goal of the connections model is to reconnect the theological training process to real life. So here's principle number nine. Leaders learn by doing. Our model takes seriously how people were made by God. In order to really learn something well, we as human beings have to experience it. People are not just brains that need to be fed information. We are not just spiritual beings living outside of relationships and work. We're holistic people who have a body and mind and emotions and relationships. And through every area of our lives, the Holy Spirit wants to reflect Jesus into our world. Jesus looked at his disciples and knew what he wanted to do with them. He wanted to shape them deeply. He also knew that it's possible for people to listen to God's word and because of their hard hearts or lack of obedience or not fully grasping it, they don't change. Does that sound familiar? We have tremendous amounts of preaching of God's word in our churches and schools of learning and all over the internet, but we see a disproportionate amount of life change in the disciples of Jesus. Jesus gave his disciples real-life experiences that chipped away at their pride, self-dependence, lack of faith, argumentative attitudes, and lack of compassion. He allowed them to struggle and even to fail. He also gave them many chances to succeed and to know that God was using them and to feel the power and the joy of that. Ultimately, he wanted them to know God and to have real life dependency on God because they were going to lead his church. Listen to this quote from our 18 principles document. Jesus built leaders on the job where they dealt with real problems and opportunities and faced real consequences. Therefore, we must integrate classroom instruction time with practical in-the-field hands-on ministry. It is tragic if we remove emerging leaders from their normal context of life and ministry and put them in an artificial environment they will never be in again and teach them things, much of which they may never use. 
End of quote. What a great thought from Dr. Weber analyzing the situations of many training programs globally. So here is a hands-on experience you can do now. Read through the four Gospels and the book of Acts and ask yourself this question as you search the scriptures. What experiential assignments or learning opportunities shaped the disciples? And write them down in a notebook under the title, The Transformation of God's People. And I guarantee you, it will be one of the best Bible study experiences you have had. I have done this. And what you will see is that holistically, in all five areas of desired maturity, God used experiences to touch their lives, teach them, and shape them as future leaders. Through real-life learning, God's Word was made real in their faith, prayer, and understanding of God, in their relationships with one another, and in their understanding of their own hearts and calling. In our next principle, we will look at a few of those and exactly how Jesus used what we call challenging assignments to build leaders holistically. For now, let me end with a question. If someone asked you, what are the five most important experiences that God used in your life to change you and shape you as a Christian leader, what would you say? As a leader who is building other people, it would be good to reflect on what those experiences were and how they specifically changed you. Then you would always have a good set of real living examples of what happened in your life. Most emerging leaders know that God uses things to change them, including suffering, but they may not process it well, and they need to see how leader wisdom was built in you from those experiences. As you do this, remember to use both positive experiences that brought positive results and negative experiences that taught you lessons. So this principle, again, says leaders learn by doing. I hope you're excited about this one. Remember to go with God and have a great day. Welcome back. I'm Brent Hoover with our Burst Leadership Podcast series on leader development. These principles are not just about how to be a better leader. They are more about how to create and design a culture of leader development in which everyone in your ministry has the opportunity to become healthier leaders. Wouldn't that be amazing? So don't put pressure on yourself to be an amazing builder of leaders. That's not what it's about. Instead, with God's help and with your team, co-design a transformative culture where you will be growing people from disciples into servant leaders. The approach you implement needs to be biblical, and these principles help with that. And it has to be through the Holy Spirit's power and guidance, because this is His work. As for our role, we study the scriptures and remain dependent on God 
and continually learn from Jesus how he built leaders. If you do this, you will know how to design your context. So last time we learned that leaders learn best by doing. That is huge. Of course, biblical instruction is a foundation, but don't stop there. Jesus didn't. Here's principle number 10. Challenging assignments stretch and mature the emerging leader. Jesus moved his learners into the real world with challenging assignments because he knew each of them would learn more about God and themselves this way. The key about challenging assignments is this. The challenge factor should not be too high nor too low, but just enough to stretch people to cause new growth. A clear example is seen in Jesus when he said, Come and see, to the disciples who were seeking him. All they had to do was come and stay with him a few days. But within a year, he was sending them out to preach in his name. And several years later, on the final day before he left them, he gave the order to go and make disciples of all nations. So he went from, come be with me and watch me teach and serve people, to, now you go for a few days to these villages. And finally, I'm sending you to the world. Now that's progression. Now, imagine if he had given them the Great Commission assignment within the first 30 days of being with him. They would have said, are you kidding? That's impossible. I don't think I could do that. And of course they couldn't. Instead, he gradually built up to it, challenge by challenge, and they responded to it almost day by day as their muscles of faith were being built up. Sometimes they utterly failed to respond to the challenge, though. But for Jesus, even their failure to respond was a training moment. And he would respond not with anger, but with tough questions like, what happened to your faith? Perhaps Christians today don't grow as much simply because their leaders have not learned to give them progressively challenging assignments. Now that is a frightening thought. Leaders of churches may be partly responsible for nominal Christian believers who remain as infants. But here we're talking about building leaders of Christian communities with real-life challenges. If you are an instructor in the Bible... Use real-life assignments regularly. Not just thought homework assignments, but real-life doing assignments. A well-designed one will take the things you say as a Bible instructor and imprint them on a person's heart and life. Here's the secret about these. Sometimes transformation happens right away. Even in the same night in their journal, a participant may write, Today I realized a big truth about myself that I did not know before. But other times, experiential learnings are like an explosive with a delayed timer switch. It might be days, a month down the road, or even several years later for a person to grasp the big lesson that God was showing them. Experiential challenges are long-term teachers. They stick with people. In our next podcast, I will share examples from Jesus' relationships with his 12 disciples 
and how putting them through some fire helped them in the short term and the long term. Just think about Matthew, John, and Peter, who wrote much of the New Testament. There they were, many years later, even decades after those three years of intense discipleship, and they vividly remembered what they experienced. This is what I'm talking about. Experiential challenges are long-term and deep teachers. They stick with people. So how will you apply this? You may be in charge of developing young leaders, and you notice they need shaping in their character. For example, they need to learn how to be more loving to people who disagree with them, patient with those who don't follow well, honoring to others who are above them, humbly admitting their faults to those they leave. How deficient it would be to simply keep teaching more leadership skills and biblical truth to them without touching on these areas. For each area just mentioned, love, patience, honoring others, and humility, a specific challenge should be designed, or several that would include all of them. What we mean by challenging assignments are specific actions people need to take that could be completed anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours or 20 weeks. And these assignments are ones that help them live out the biblical truth. In many of our learning communities, we use a one-week framework where they may have several experiential opportunities to live out their learning. It's simple things like, this week, focus on giving honor to three people in the group with words or actions. Or in your small group, have each person share three things. A mistake you personally made that only hurt yourself. A mistake that you made that hurt someone else. And finally, a sin that you committed. And share what you learned from each. The key is, will it stretch them? In one training after a teaching on Jesus as the servant leader from Philippians chapter 2, the participants had to go out and get to know a person living on the streets and consider what God wanted them to do in order to humbly serve that person. For many leaders, active faith in God is not strong enough. Challenging them to try new hard things where they will need to trust in God can be very powerful. So along with regular times of instruction in the Word of God, intentionally design experiential hands-on opportunities for growth. This is a powerful principle. Challenging assignments stretch and mature the emerging leader. May you use the wisdom God has given you with those willing people to challenge them for growth. Go with God and have a great day. Hi friends, I'm Brent Hoover and it's my honor to be leading you through the 18 principles of effective leader development on this episode of the Burst Leadership Podcast. Going through these principles 
it's easy to see Jesus truly was the wisest leader who ever lived. He knew what his father wanted to do. He knew people inside and out, and he knew how to build his disciples. Those are the three big questions for all of us. What shall we do? Who are the people we will build? And how are we going to get it done? Today's principle is going to show us that for Jesus, it meant being intentional about putting his future leaders into challenging situations where they would have to go through some suffering and growing pains. Principle number 11. Leaders are built through fire. This may be one of the hardest things you ever do as a leader in your direct work with people. Sometimes we're not good builders of people because we want to see them succeed quickly. And we also want them to like us all the time. And we sometimes feel that means making the road smooth for them. But what do we learn from Jesus? He loved them enough that he was willing to use hard things to do a deeper work in his students' lives. In fact, Jesus knew that in order to develop certain areas in an emerging leader, the only way would be building them through what we call fire or difficult challenges. Rather than get angry when a disciple makes a big mistake or has not matured in some area, we need to release this thing to God and trust that He is the one building people. And sometimes, building means breaking. Allowing a breaking process to happen first. Do you realize that as a leader? Do you know how to do it? It's not as easy as it sounds, and it's possible to do it in the wrong way. So let's consider Jesus' building of Peter at a critical moment in his life. Of course, he knew Peter would fail at some point in his faith, character, and boldness once Jesus was arrested. But we see no rebuke here other than the direct words, Would you die for me, Peter? Before morning, you will have denied me three times. Then Jesus let that night play out. In each test, Peter's pride and fear was exposed. The shallowness of his faith and love was made very clear, and he knew it. And when he was caught the third time, and when he saw Jesus look over at him, he went away and wept bitterly. That is a huge breaking in Peter's life. What do you think it was for? But here's the point. Jesus did not keep Peter from this. He saw what the Father was doing inside Peter's heart because he had prayed for Peter. Remember that spiritual principle? And Jesus even told him, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, listen carefully to how Dr. Weber describes today's principle. The words he uses are very important, so I hope you catch the meaning. Quote, It is far better to put the emerging leader under pressure before he is given significant responsibility and authority than to wait until the time when failure under pressure will destroy both the leader and those with him. Therefore, we intentionally but carefully and responsibly 
put an emerging leader under pressure to squeeze deep heart issues to the surface where they can be revealed and resolved in the context of supportive, accountable community. End quote. Where do we see Jesus doing that? Here are a few examples of assignments that stretched the disciples. Each challenge has one or more holistic goals, so start thinking about what those might have been as I share them. Jesus sent them out to preach without going with them, and even told them not to take money or food. He put them in a boat, and they hit a storm that put tremendous fear in them. He allowed them to encounter demons in a boy who would not come out despite their best efforts. He asked them to find food for more than 5,000 people. He rested and retreated when they could have kept constantly busy with gospel work. He washed their feet with his own two hands as a servant would and asked those proud guys who were arguing about greatness to do this for each other. Even Jesus' life example was a kind of fire that challenged their existing thinking as a leader for God. And sometimes, it's the mindset that is the most important thing to change. For example, Jesus went for dinners with lost, unclean, and sinful people who responded to him. And right before their eyes, they witnessed a tax collector at their group dinner repent of greed and cheating people. He forgave a woman guilty of sexual sins. He took a few of his closest men up on a mountain where they experienced his transformed glory and heard God's voice affirm Jesus as his son. And the list goes on and on. This is too beautiful to stop. But we have to in order to think about what it means. The key point is this. Jesus was intentional in using each of these experiences to build his leaders. He was building faith, breaking prejudices, challenging their lack of love and humility, and helping them know the power of the gospel. These are all part of the big goal of building them as leaders. For you to start going down this path, your thinking process needs these things. First, Think about how people are made by God holistically and that he wants the whole person changed. Then, learn how Jesus shaped the disciples and think about how he shaped you experientially in the four dynamics that we're talking about. Finally, be intentional about building people through challenging experiences individually and with groups in order to see change in one or more of those five C areas. A mini case study that I must mention is Peter and how he was changed by Jesus. I've thought a lot about this because I'm writing a book called Peter the Leader Built by Jesus, which I hope will help you in your ministry. One of the most important encounters began with Jesus asking Peter to take his boat out and put down the nets after catching nothing all night. You know the story, but do you know the story from the perspective of building a leader? From Jesus' request, Peter learned that Jesus may ask him to do inconvenient or uncomfortable things that 
might not make sense. Go out in the daylight and fish? Who does that? But he did it, and this showed his growing trust in Jesus. Then, Jesus brought forth a very humbling experience for Peter. When the great catch of fish came into those empty nets, Peter was so overwhelmed, so deeply moved, that he even bowed down to Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. How could these words have come from Peter's mouth? He recognized his own unworthiness because he experienced Jesus' holiness and power right in front of him. This fire, this hard experience, ended up bringing revealed truth to him about Jesus, himself, and his life calling. About Jesus, that he is the Lord, holy and awesome. About himself, Peter knew deeply and could say, I am sinful and powerless without him. About his call, Peter could say, I need not be in fear before God's holiness. Jesus has given me a new purpose, and he will use me to catch people for him. So do you see how this works? Again, that quote from Dr. Weber, intentionally, but carefully and responsibly put an emerging leader under pressure to squeeze those deep heart issues to the surface. So to balance out good instruction in your training model, add experiential learning, of course, and include some really hard stuff. It could be giving them a number of assignments all at once with a deadline to create stress and communication challenges. Or it could be the volume of an assignment, such as memorizing a chapter or a book of the Bible. Or the fire of starting a new ministry in a very difficult situation. Or perhaps a relational challenge, spending a whole lot of time with teammates whose personalities and styles are very different from each other. There will be a lot of friction. Or teaching a challenging passage of scripture rather than just the easy ones, that will make any young preacher pray more. For each of these things, think about the purpose, pray about the design, and then do it. Make space in the learning cohort for them to process the experiences. This is critical. They must have the chance to talk about it and share why it's hard and seek solutions from one another and God. You could add physical and ministry challenges together, such as trekking around an entire city for days or going from one town to another town while camping or depending on local people's help. They could pray for the city, asking God for his heart for the people and share the gospel as they go or meet any needs they discover on the way. For many leaders, young or old, solitude will be a very difficult challenge. Build up to larger challenges slowly, moving from a few hours of solitude to a full day and eventually to several days of solitude. As you read the Gospels, you'll see how to do this. And God will lead you because each situation is different. If you have a strong relational web established, 
with cohorts, intercessors, a church community, a healthy mentor and pastor, and willing participants, you will soon realize that one of the best ways to cause a deep application of biblical truth to real life is to use this principle. Leaders are built through fire. Well, this was a long podcast today, but it was so important, and I hope it has been as helpful to you as it has been for me. Remember, whatever you do, go with God and have a great day. Welcome to another Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover, and today we come to the transformational power of instruction. Remember the four big dynamics that God uses to change people. The spiritual, relational, experiential, and instructional dynamics. The two big questions for this session are these. First, how much does the teaching of God's Word impact your building of leaders? The whole thing from design to programming to relationships. And a second related question is, how can we do a better job of biblical instruction? Better in the sense of it being truly effective in a holistic and transformative way as we are building leaders. Now this next idea is super important. In fact, if you can catch this, It will set you free to have a lifelong ministry of building leaders, and it will be one that changes lives. Here it is. First, we create the environment in which growth can happen through those first three dynamics. Establishing a truly spiritual, relational, and experiential context is the soil that is very fertile for leader development. And before you plant, you need fertile soil. Every farmer in the world knows it. But as Christian leaders, it seems we have not learned enough from farmers because we're not often intentional enough about cultivating the soil for building leaders. Yet we see Jesus doing this all the time. But what else do you need besides good soil? You need the seed. And since our purpose is Christian leader development, our seed is the Word of God. Our primary text is not a book on leadership. It is the Bible, the greatest book with the greatest truths about God, men, women, children, churches, the world, and leadership that you will ever find. In fact, if you only had the Bible, and had no other written material, it would be sufficient because it is authoritative and totally effective. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Scripture is God-breathed and useful for equipping the people of God in every good work. Now, when you have both the soil of transformation and the seed of life. That is both a strong context 
and content that is alive and true, then you have effective leader development. Amazing. This is such a huge truth that I don't even know if we can go on today. This is what this whole series is about. Please re-listen to that, reflect on it, and discuss it with your teams because it is the core of this teaching on leadership. Everything LeaderSource is doing is trying to help leaders grow stronger in designing for that kind of leader development. So you need the soil and you need the seed. Now, listen to today's principle and it's number 12. The Word of God is the foundation and the means for building healthy leaders. If you are building a building, the Bible is the foundation. If you are going to grow a vine and you're looking for fruit, the biblical teaching is the seed that starts it all. Listen to how the Leader Source document on the 18 Principles of effective leader development communicates this principle. I'm going to state the points and following each one, we will elaborate further on its meaning. The teaching of the Word of God was central in Jesus's method of building leaders, and it must be in ours. The key word is central. So much of leadership stuff that is out there today is based on people's thoughts and experiences and not on the Bible. If you design a program of building leaders, you have to maintain the focus on God's Word as the core instructional source. Here's a key point. We are not just trying to inspire people. We are not trying to merely give them great quotes from other leaders that we try to emulate. Today, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook accounts on leadership have become huge buckets of wise quotes from people. Some of them are worth considering for sure, but a Christ-centered design has to be saturated with the very words of Christ and the scriptures that fill Jesus' soul. Your time is limited and precious when you're with people to train them. So think of everything you do with an emerging leader as helping them either to know, understand, reflect on, and or live out the Word of God. That is what it is about. Christian leaders abiding in, dwelling in the Word of God. So what about the place of Christian books? They are also critical if They're helping you do those things. But your primary energy should be given to the scriptures themselves. Ask yourself this evaluative question. In our existing design, is the word of God the foundation and the means for our building of leaders? And ask, how are we carrying this belief out? Where do we see it in our intentional design? It should be all over the place. The Bible should be the central learning focus in individual learnings, small group, and with the entire cohort. It does not mean this is the only thing we learn, but if your goal is to know much of the Bible in one year, 
or to understand the core doctrines, or even just the areas of Scripture that focus on leaders and leadership, then it requires you to focus on these. Too much of teaching today is personal stories from the instructor. But remember, you don't have that much time, and your goal is to instruct the learner with God's Word. Really, this is a reprioritization of our way of building people. Now, once that is clear, the second thing to focus on is the way we do it. But just to let you dwell on these core thoughts of today's lesson, we're going to pause here. Review in your mind the priority level that you have given to the Word of God in your discipleship or leadership programs. And even take a few minutes to write down your reflections about those questions of evaluation. Ask yourself, if you have done enough to prepare for the seed by developing the soil of a strong spiritual life among your discipleship group, of loving relationships, and of real-life experiential learning, remember, leaders face reality, think and act. When it comes to using biblical instruction, we must do the same thing. Face the reality, think well, and act. I look forward to sharing with you more next time. Until then, remember to go with God and have a great day. Welcome to today's Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover, and this is part two on the area of biblical instruction. And we are talking about principle number 12, which says, the teaching of the Word of God was central in Jesus' method of building leaders, and it must be in ours. Let's continue in our training document, which is packed with 18 truths. And this is available on our website at leadersource.org under Models, and it's in several languages. Here we've been unpacking those truths for you as a leader and as a designer. Last time we emphasized the priority of the teaching of the Word of God. In part two of this principle, we will emphasize how to make it effective in building leaders. There are several subpoints. Here's the first one. For God's Word to be properly taught, Several things need to be happening. There must be both the teaching of the Word and personal relationship with the leader. Really? For everyone? Well, no. This is only true for those you want to build deeply to become effective leaders of the church. This comes right from Paul's teaching in his second letter written to his spiritual son, Timothy. It is found in chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. He says, You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. See, Timothy knew about all of that. 
and we jump to verse 15, he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Just reading Paul's letters could help any believer, but Timothy could say he knew Paul. And that does something. He had seen his teacher's lifestyle and character even in times of significant physical and emotional suffering. And what did this do to Timothy as an emerging leader? This is so important. It pushed the teachings of Paul from Timothy's mind deep down into his heart. They went from being truths that Timothy knew and could think about and even preach about to being convictions that he based his life on. Look at the verse that shows this. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. 2 Timothy 3.14 He went from learning the truth to becoming convinced of the truth. This deep embracing of truth was so important for Timothy as a leader because he was already surrounded with many negative examples and false teachers and others who would accuse them of teaching the wrong thing. And Timothy's future was likely going to include suffering. And if an emerging leader does not have the convictions in his heart, he will compromise when he faces sufferings or challenges. So here's a question. What was the key thing in Timothy's shift from knowing things to being convinced? It is that he knew Paul personally. So it's like Paul is saying, Tim, remember, it's me that you've learned these things from. You know me in my life. And so you've become convinced of the truth of my teaching. Here we have a combination of the instructional, relational, and experiential principles. Think about this from the learner's perspective. Timothy heard Paul's teaching. He watched and experienced Paul's real life, even sharing in it himself and sometimes suffering with him. And through this, the seed of truth was pushed very deep into his heart. A real conviction was planted, so he knew it was real. Now, for all these 18 principles, the opposite of them is also true. When we fail to give emerging leaders our hearts and lives as teachers of God's Word, we may be diminishing the convincing apologetic power that young leaders need when doubts arise. So, teaching happens best with a personal relationship with the teacher. Here's a second mini-principle. There must be engagement. This means that when you are teaching God's Word, you must keep in view that the goal of teaching is a change in behavior of the learners. Friends, if this is your goal, 
it will change how you prepare your teaching, how you give it, and how you pray for it. You definitely will pray more if you believe this is the goal of your teaching. I mean, if merely giving a teaching is your goal, you wouldn't need to pray much because you're pretty much in control of that. But if the goal is transformation of the listeners, then you will be dependent on God, especially knowing how many distractions people have in their lives, or their disbelief, or just a lack of being submitted to God. Here is the best, shortest quote from our document today. Quote, listening is not learning, unquote. And if it is not, then speaking is not necessarily teaching. It is just only one part of the process. Another mini principle. The best teaching will often be an interactive dialogue between the learner and the teacher, not an endless monologue. This is only hard because our church cultures have trained both teachers and listeners to use that model almost exclusively. People sitting and listening to a teacher's long talk is only one model. It is not a sanctified, ordained way to teach God's Word. Imagine Jesus getting his disciples together and saying, Okay, guys, are you ready to change the world? Here's how you do it. Go get a big crowd of people to come to a large sitting area and have them sit for an hour. They don't have to do anything. They just sit there and listen. They don't have to think of any questions or ask any questions. And all you need to do is talk continuously for 60 minutes. Then people will be changed. But there will be lots of pressure on you, so you need to think a lot about some great stuff that you want to say. <laughs> well, thankfully, Jesus did not do that. He did not say that. The Word of God was all the teachings of Jesus wherever he went, and it came in many forms, including asking questions, answering questions, stories, explaining and debating scriptures, and challenging interactions with others. One well-known pastor in our country has learned to stay after church each week for one hour of questions and answers on the sermon because he has understood that the teaching of the Word of God includes that. All right, friends, there are still a few more mini-principles about how to properly teach the Word of God in our building of leaders, but this is the Burst Leadership Podcast, not the Marathon Podcast. I want you to have the chance to digest these truths, so we will pick it up next time. Remember, in all your teaching of God's Word, to go with God and have a great day. Welcome, friends. This is your Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. You see, I changed the intro for you a bit. I hope you appreciate that. This is your podcast, 
as much as it is mine. The goal is to help you as a leader and as a designer of leadership models to first be a healthy leader and then to think as one and to act as one. This is part three on the area of biblical instruction. And we're talking about principle number 12, which says, the teaching of the word of God was central in Jesus's method of building leaders, and it must be in ours. We've been sharing some mini principles under this topic, so let's wrap it up with just a couple more important ones. And before we begin, just a brief devotional thought. Every morning when you wake up, I hope one of your areas of gratitude to the Lord is this. Lord, I thank you for life and that I get the honor of being a teacher of life through your word. Thank you, Lord, and feed me my daily bread as I go throughout this day. Amen. I hope this is your attitude, one of privilege and gratitude. Because, friends, what we get to do is awesome. Okay, here are a few more mini principles. The first one. We must teach the Word and not merely about the Word. If you listen to Sunday sermons, you will notice much of the time the teacher is not teaching the Word. He is teaching about the Word or just sharing some personal story. You have 172 hours a week and just one to two hours for worship each week. And in that worship service, just 30 to 60 minutes to teach God's word. Teaching background is good and can be helpful. Brief stories for illustrating the truth can be good. But teach the actual scriptures. Make people look at the actual words and understand the ideas. Here is a possible application point. For a training group, don't have them read a book on the background of the Gospel of John if your time is limited. Have them go deep into John's Gospel itself. Maybe give them a brief article to read on its background or have one motivated student summarize the book on the background of John and then share that with everyone. But focus on the studying of the Bible. Another mini principle. Our teaching must be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Malcolm Weber has an entire video on transformational teaching, and I highly recommend you listen to it on our YouTube channel. It's fantastic. And I will cover more about this in a later podcast, but here I want to say that the anointing of the Holy Spirit cannot be determined merely by tone of voice, emotion, or intensity. Surely those things come often with anointed teaching, but falsehood and cults and cult teachers are masters at using these things to promote their stuff. And we know they are not anointed by God. So, look at Jesus. All his teaching was anointed, and what did it look like? What did it sound like? What did it do? The simplest way is to ask, am I walking with God right now in my life? Have I humbled myself to hear what He is saying in His Word? 
Have I let it go into my mind and down into my heart with its convicting power? And have I asked him for his clarity, his anointing, and his passion for speaking these things? My habit in recent years on this last point has been to pray just before I teach. Lord, I am asking you to fill me one more time with your presence and passion, just like you have done to me in the past. I ask each time, because I know it's possible for me to do almost anything on my own, including teaching the Bible, and that would be worthless. And sometimes I continue to pray, Lord, I'm not depending on the past. I need you now. These people need you now. If this is the last thing I teach, let it be my best effort. And may you put these truths in their heart and help them be changed through believing it and obeying. Next mini principle. Our teaching should be practical, relevant, and appropriate for the emerging leaders we are building. So many times we hear some kind of course being taught that is very far from the actual goal that the program has. If your goal is building scholars who know intertestamental background and the details of the Dead Sea Scroll arguments, then by all means teach that course. But if your goal is a year of building leaders who will change lives, it's doubtful that that kind of course will help you achieve your goals. Well, this was a podcast with many, many principles. Part one, part two, part three. But for something so central, the teaching of God's word, it was worth it. Please do everything you can to properly teach the word of God. He gave us his word to bring us light and life. His word is truth, and by it, God's servants are changed. We are built up, and we are instructed for doing ministry. That is what your teaching should be doing. All right, friends. Go with God in your teaching of his word, and have a great day. Welcome, friends, to today's Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. The big idea from the last podcast was that the Word of God must be central in our building of leaders. Today's principle is about effective teaching, and it is number 13. And it says, engagement brings change. As we think about the place of biblical instruction, we have to move away from the prevailing style of leadership training that is all around us. That is, instructors pouring out their Bible teaching into students without more intentional engagement than simple discussion, asking questions, or doing a final paper or exam. 
Those things could be called reflective engagement, and they have their purpose. But reflective engagement stops far short of the holistic goal for building a healthy leader. That's the key. You have to ask, does it help achieve the goal? And you see what the danger is, right? There are some very talented thinking people who can soar through those classes and become quite expert in the biblical texts and even the languages. Their hearts may even have been touched by the intellectual experience. That happened to me in many of my formal courses. But the same question remains. Is that the goal? In only a few of my papers in those Bible courses was I forced by wise instructors to include practical personal application to show how it changed my life. But of course, they had no idea if what I wrote was true because those instructors were not involved in our lives. Only a very few were, and amazingly, I still have a relationship with two of them after even 30 years. And only in a few courses were we actually required to do something in our real lives with the things we learned. So the danger is, without engagement, we become passive learners and permanent non-doers. We don't act. And we have mistaken this for the work of ministry. My friends, And you are, my friends, since by now you've listened this far. There is a great need for the deep and long-term study of scriptures. But let's do it the way Jesus did it. He was always challenging people for a change. Sometimes a change of mind, yes. But often also a change of behavior or relationships or values. And all of this was measurable within the community that they were in. So when it comes to teaching, remember, engagement brings change. And do not allow your emerging leaders to be passive recipients. No matter what culture you are in and how much respect the teacher is given, what we are talking about is not about respect in that way. Respect is displayed differently in each culture, but you must let your students know that the best way of showing you respect as a Bible teacher is to engage in the process as a learner. Then you, as a teacher, need to step out of that role of merely pouring your knowledge into their empty bucket and do not fall back into it. Be relentless. Be repetitive. Be very clear and say and show the learners that they must engage. Our goal is holistic leaders who can think and act. Put your teaching through that filter. Evaluate before and after you prepare a lesson by asking how this lesson is helping you build a leader in one of those ways. One challenge for you as you use biblical instruction is to think ahead about the area of life change or development as a leader that a certain biblical passage is aiming for. 
Then think of a learning experience that is practical, that can be done in a few hours or over a week. A long-term friend of mine who served with LeaderSource for over 13 years, Robert Walter, designed many of these for those he trained, and he called them discovery experiences. Sounds pretty nice, right? Who doesn't want to discover things and have an experience? And he divided them into three categories. Easy ones, he called a molehill, a tiny little challenge. Intermediate ones, he called a mound, which has more challenge, it's higher. And difficult ones, he called a mountain. They were always very clear descriptions of what the Bible was teaching us and a specific challenge a person could do. And it involved several things, personal reflection, small group sharing, praying, serving, reaching out, relational bonding, loving people, or doing something fun. The end result was biblical instruction plus engagement, and it equaled a deeper knowing of what the Bible was teaching this group of emerging leaders. This is not hard, and the more you do it, the better you will get at it. One of the greatest privileges on earth is to be able to give people life through the teaching of the Word of God. But let us see the Bible's own example of how the Word of God itself was taught through looking at how God taught His Word in the Old Testament and how the teachers did it in the New Testament. But of course, our Lord, Jesus the Rabbi, was the master teacher. So spend time studying how he did it. He always engaged his followers with God's word and their hearts and real life. And that is what he will do through you as you become one of his wise builders. The church needs healthy teachers and we believe you will be able to lead many to become one of them. Remember the vision, healthy leaders, be one, build many. Well, next time we will move on to the final big area of the major principles. Effective leader development must be intentional. And there are five remaining principles that will help you grow in doing design. Go with God and have a great day. Welcome everyone to the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover and this is the beginning of the final major area of our principles of effective leader development. In the coming podcast, we will talk about five key principles under the major idea of being intentional. Intentional in your overall design of building people. So we're near the end, but it's not quite the end. But what is exciting is that learning these ideas is really just the beginning for you as a Christian leader who becomes healthy and then designs for the building of others in the church. And friends, this is critical. 
for only you and your local believers can truly design for your own people and situation. This is why using a program or design that comes from the outside of your culture generally does not transfer well. The Bible is transcultural, so it works. And these principles of leadership are from the scriptures, but leading is situationally bound. So what works in one place may not be effective when it's transplanted to another. So your people need you to become a designer of ministries. And we will talk more about being a designer in another episode. But here is principle number 14, and it's going to help us become more intentional. Responsibility for learning and growing is shared by the emerging leader and the church community. That's the principle. It's speaking about how building believers into disciples and disciples into leaders is not just about you as a leader influencing them with your own wisdom and life. Yes, that is super important, as we've already learned. It is leaders themselves who build leaders. But your personal building of people has to be balanced with this idea that it's a a shared responsibility between the one being built and the community that they are in. Remember, the other relational principle is leaders are built in community. So, be intentional about involving the Christian community in the shaping of someone. And if you're not, then you're missing a huge aspect of the potential impact that God will graciously use. This is a principle of intentionality. You can't just hope certain things will result in your program. You have to specifically design with that dynamic principle in mind. Also, as a leader, you don't want your church to just depend on your own ability to build a group of leaders every year or two, even though you might be amazing enough to do that. But you want to also create a culture in which many people in your church are also building small groups of disciples. Personally, building leaders can start right away. While being intentional to shape a culture of leader development within an entire community of believers happens over time. But by letting the community know that they are intimately involved and important in the process of leaders growing and maturing can be tremendously exciting and strategic. This will actually elevate the importance of the body of Christ to where it should be. People will get passionate about it. If you did this, your local church no longer would just be a place to worship and meet people. To every person, it would become a center of building disciples and leaders where every member is activated and involved. Dr. Weber explains this a bit when he writes, quote, Fundamentally, building leaders involves providing opportunities for growth, opportunities for learning, responsibilities, relationships, observing, suffering, etc., unquote. Do you see that? It's all about providing opportunities. It's not about control or your authority to decide on ministries. It is about releasing people into their God-given destiny as a minister. But what if people don't want those opportunities, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Dr. Weber goes on to say, quote, These opportunities won't automatically produce growth. 
And there's no guarantee that people will take advantage of them. But if we do not intentionally provide opportunities for those who want them, people won't experience growth, unquote. Some people are ready to move and climb the next mountain. So are you providing those opportunities? You see, when the entire church is moving in the direction of building leaders in every ministry and every age group, then you really have something life-giving. It will grow far beyond your own small sphere of influence. And you won't be able to control it because God never wanted you to control it in the first place. Imagine it. An entire church moving in the direction of building leaders. It's just beautiful and powerful. This is how the commission to make disciples of all nations is going to get done. So now you can imagine the entire picture. This is not about you designing a leadership school within your church, where you are the sole influencer of individual students who go back home each night to think about the profound truths you have taught them. It's not about being a Bible study group leader or a Sunday school teacher who hopes their stuff will be the thing that builds disciples. Well, that's one kind of model, but will that reach your goal of shaping the whole person? Will it build the kind of Christian leaders you want leading your own family? What we can do after praying and sensing that God wants us to start such a ministry where the learner and the learner's community have shared responsibility is to be intentional about sharing this whole approach with people. For example, if you were a pastor who was teaching at four house fellowships or four Bible study groups each week, you could choose four quality people who have the desire to lead and ask them to be involved in a program for building future leaders in your church. Then you go before each home fellowship and share that vision. You might say something like this. We are a Christian family and I'm your pastor. But one of my jobs is to help build future leaders who can teach and pastor people. Do you all agree? Well, I also believe it's one of your jobs as the Christian community who is surrounding these disciples in training to help shape them. And I'm asking you to take up this role and be involved. In fact, you've already been involved by sharing with us whom you believe God is using to shepherd you already. And in this case, it is your brother, Raj. You've seen his life and character and skills, and you've confirmed that to us. So God has already used you. Now we need you to especially be involved over the next two years in Raj's growth as a person, as your emerging leader, and as your servant. Some of you could be intercessors. You know who you are. You believe deeply in prayer, and you enjoy praying with people and for people. That's your gift. We need you. Your gift is for the equipping of God's people. Maybe two of you young men could be his close friends, just to listen to him and encourage him. You guys will be like Barnabas, and everyone needs a few of those in their lives. 
and all of you will be participating in his teaching times, and you're going to be asked to give real evaluation of his teaching in an open and healthy way. Raj will grow into a better teacher, and you will grow into a better disciple, because the test is going to be if the scriptures are taught in a practical and life-giving way. Others will provide encouragement to his family. Some will provide financial support. Others will give him technical support for his ideas. Too many pastors spend too many hours on computer stuff that they're not good at, so we need you tech-savvy sisters and brothers to help us. So, dear friends, do you see the whole picture? We believe healthy leaders are built in and through Christian community. I will be his main teacher, but you all will be his teachers, and Raj will be challenged to humbly learn from each of you. Our goal is that when Raj is sent off to start and lead a new fellowship, he will be the kind of imperfect servant that you would have confidence in recommending to them. So, brothers and sisters, how does that sound? Let's be intentional about this. Let's pray tonight and see how God leads us. Okay, that's the end of the case study. Now, what will be the results of that? And how is it different than a process that is not intentional about involving shared responsibilities? So this episode has been about designing an environment for building people. And it's all about being intentional to provide shared responsibilities. In this case, it's a shared responsibility for learning and growing of a person in training. And it is shared by the emerging leader and the church community. Hey, isn't that exciting? I really wish I could go back and be a young Christian and be involved in that kind of church. Back in the day, we had a lot of good things going on. But by being clear and intentional about our direction and our energy, so much more could have happened. May God's grace lead you in this area. Go with God and have a great day in your Christian community. Welcome to another Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover, and it just gives me so much joy to be bringing you this material on building healthy Christian leaders because I know it is so good, and I know it's what the churches need to help them thrive. In this series, we're focusing on the big model from Leader Source called Connections. For years, many years, Malcolm Weber and the church he led and later on the ministry organization, LeaderSource, and our teams, affiliates, and partners, the entire big global team has been developing church leaders. And one observation we can make about the whole process is this. It did not happen overnight. That brings us to today's main point. It is principle number 15, and it says, building leaders takes time. Listen to this brief explanation of this principle 
from our 18 principles document. It takes a lifetime to build a mature and seasoned leader. Thus, our goal in short-term training is not to achieve final and complete maturity, but to lay a sound and comprehensive foundation in the emerging leader's life. Moreover, our goal is to help him become a lifelong learner who will properly build on the foundation for the rest of his life. So this principle brings us back to reality. In fact, all these principles help us face the real situation of building leaders in the local church. It's definitely not easy. And one of the things that is not easy is that building leaders takes time. Are you, as a leader who wants to build others, willing to face this reality? And what does this principle do for us? First, it makes us adjust our expectations and our design. We have to take a deep breath and know that God has His timing for all things. And when it comes to growing people into a place of influence, He often takes His time. Leaders are human beings, and we usually change slowly, right? So it is best if we realize that there are two kinds of change or growth, incremental growth and breakthrough growth. We all love to see and experience a breakthrough. They're real and there's a lot of joy with them. But if you look into it more deeply, in fact, personal breakthroughs are often a culmination of many, many decisions and life experiences. They were accumulating for a long time. It was just the final link in the chain that most people notice when it comes to a breakthrough. That final link is super important, but other links happened previous to the final one. The combination of incremental growth over time, plus the intense experience of the fires of leadership or Christian service with biblical teaching and a close Christian community often brings about big jumps or aha moments in an emerging leader's life. The second thing we can do is be intentional about our use of time in designing a program for building leaders. For example, with challenging experiences, let them build up in degree of difficulty over time. Remember, time is on your side. This relieves us from feeling pressure to see things happen. If each week is just one of the increments, a small step in their growth, then that is a very good thing. It is not effective leader development when one-off events are planned without continuation, intentional design, or intentional community. In those cases, there might be a sudden surge of excitement, but it later fizzles out and no real development has happened. Excitement does not equal development. Even just think of the word development. It sounds slow. It is not flashy, quick, or shallow. It is slow and deep. 
Remember, one of the crises the church is facing is the quality of leaders. If the goal is high-quality leaders, then this idea of slowness is going to be your friend. If you're looking to have great numbers of people going through big programs, be prepared to be disappointed in the long run. Right now, Christian institutions of learning and training around the world are facing that disappointment without a lot of hope for change. Ultimately, we all like quick solutions. But look at Jesus. He actually shows us both longer, slower leader development of his future leaders and big breakthrough moments. Three to four years is not quick, but it's not slow either. In other words, this is a practical principle. We are not saying it takes 10 years to train a healthy leader. It's true that God's program for each of us may be lifelong, but we as his co-workers only play a smaller but key role in cultivating future leaders. Let's end today by going back to the second big implication of this principle. Remember, our goal in short-term training is not to achieve final and complete maturity, but to lay a sound and comprehensive foundation in the emerging leader's life. That's a quote from Dr. Weber. This was very liberating for my own disciple-making and leader-building ministry. I realized it doesn't have to be perfect or completely comprehensive. You and I are in a person's life for a short term. In fact, almost all of our relationships are short-term assignments. You may get a person for a few weeks, months, or years. It might just be a few days, or in a rare case, it might be 10 years. The question is, what are you going to do with the time the Lord gives you with this follower of Jesus? Knowing the connections model gives you a map. Your relationship with the person will allow you to personalize the design. And the Holy Spirit will bring about transformation, incremental and breakthrough. But the goal is one of laying a foundation and then to help that person become a lifelong learner who will go on to build on that foundation for the rest of their lives. Wow! You are actually giving them a treasure that will go with them their entire lifetime. Or it is like you've equipped them as an expert builder with a blueprint and they can keep adding rooms to their spiritual and ministry home for years to come. Too many ministries create dependence on materials, programs, or individual leaders. We are going for a building maturity that grows into an independently spiritually wealthy leader whose investments continue to bring in an abundance of life because you've connected them to the source when you laid that foundation. That is why Paul says we should be careful about what kind of foundation we are laying. It has to be Jesus Christ. This means the end result of your short-term assignment with a person needs to be his or her looking to God, learning from God, truly loving and valuing others, deeper Christ-like character and values, and a 
depending on Jesus for constant clarification of their calling. It means moving toward those things, growth in those areas, and an embracing of their own intentional growth in those areas in the future. So here are two questions you can present to all the leaders you're working with. Question number one, how long does it take to build a healthy Christian leader? Answer, a lifetime, and it's God's work. Second question, how long does it take to lay a foundation for healthy growth that will grow a lifetime? Answer, whatever time we have together with that emerging leader. That's it. I don't think many of us think of us as a foundation layer when we think of building leaders or disciples. It doesn't sound very glorious. We'd rather be the architect who reveals the finished new skyscraper with our names on it. But being a foundation layer is what you are called to do. And those other shiny big buildings often fall when the storm comes if they don't have a foundation. So take pride in being a foundation layer in someone's life. Today's principle is clear and compelling. Building leaders takes time. One last word on application. Have fun with this. Do long-term thinking. It's enjoyable. Dream a little. At one time, I helped an existing Christian leader develop a seven-year plan for his own long-term growth. Yes, seven years. This is what it looked like. Year one, focus on becoming a healthy leader in the five C areas. Meet with a friend, an intercessor, and learn the five C's and four D's at a deep level personally. And if you can really change in just a few areas like your temper, listening to others, and solitude with Jesus, it will be fantastic. Then the last three months, preach and teach on this topic in your church. Years two to three, build leaders in your local church, teaching them the Building Healthy Church course, the Building Healthy Leaders course, and sharing from your own experience. Build them personally and in that Christian culture. Years four to six, with teams of leaders from your church, build leaders in your region while you're coaching and giving leader care to your own teams. And if the doors are open, begin sharing with churches, churches across the country. Year seven, rest, reflect, and write a book on building leaders to be shared with people nationally. Now, of course, the mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. But this reflects a long-term plan for personal, local church, and national growth. There's no need to think about national influence until you can be a healthy leader first, and they'll build people locally. Hey friends, I have some big news. Next time we will finish the podcast series as we talk about the final three principles and application. I hope you see how God has shaped you over time, and He will use you as He shapes others 
others over time as well. Just be faithful. So go with God and have a great day. Welcome to the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover, and today I'm very excited to share two important truths that will help you in your design of any ministry in which you want to build people. Principle number 16 says, people grow in different ways and their callings are different. Therefore, we have to use a variety of learning experiences to help emerging leaders in their transformation. And their learning goals should reflect their unique callings. That's the principle. How do we understand it and apply it? Here we see that the holistic approach to working with people honors the fact that God made us as unique individuals. God could have made people to be the same. In that case, a one-size-fits-all approach would work. But God chose to create very different individuals. Just look at how different people are physically in their height, eye color, strengths, and abilities. He even gave a unique fingerprint for every person ever born in the history of humanity. Now that is a window into the creativity of God. And just as we are different physically, so we are unique in our personalities, giftings, passions, ways of being loved and encouraged. But what is relevant for us here in the theme of leadership is two things. First, that we each grow in unique ways. And second, that we have unique callings. So why would we try to put every emerging leader through the same style of learning assignments as if all of them were the same? If the majority of learning assignments are instructional and focused on intellectual reflection, that will especially grow a small amount of people in a deeper way. But the majority of those in a training program for leaders may be much more relationally sensitive, and another group may be strong experiential learners. So this principle reminds designers to be intentional about variety. Look at your design closely. Make sure you have a lot of different ways to build people included in your design. Let's get out of the assignments that have us read and reflect only or listen and reflect only. Yes, learners must learn to listen to teaching and reflect, that's good. But let's also include other types of approaches to teach a truth. Some people will grow in huge ways. For example, if they learn from someone's humility that is right in front of their eyes, that's the relational principle. Then imagine adding to that a great teaching on our Lord's humility. That would be very impactful. The second application is that Learning goals should reflect unique callings. Let me ask some questions to make this point very clear. 
Would the learning goals be the same for the following types of Christian leaders in training? A worship leader, a youth ministry leader, a sports ministry leader, a Bible teacher. Some goals in the area of character development might be similar, but their unique callings should lead to some unique design in their training process. So it's really kind of crazy to lump all of these Christians with various callings together into one box called leader training, where the goals are not specified to the individual at all. For example, those wanting to be trained as local church pastors might need a year or more of Bible exposition and sermon preparation. But if someone has the calling to be a Christian counselor, a youth ministry leader, or sports ministry leader, or even a hip-hop ministry leader, the design should be different. Of course, they need foundational understandings of Scripture, but it would be different than a design for a pastor who preaches. To help us understand this, the reverse is also true. Imagine forcing pastors in training to take two years of counseling training for wounded people. A few pastors would thrive in that program, but many of them would be terrible at counseling, no matter how you trained them, because that's not their calling or gifting. I think you get the picture. Let's use variety, because God and His people are all unique. In a similar way, we see this in the next principle. That is number 17. Both team and individual learning contexts must be provided. This principle is about integration and discipline. In real life, the independent leader may be great alone, but can he or she work in a team? That's the golden question. Some people love teams, but they struggle to do things as an individual. So when you design leader building programs, have both challenging team and individual assignments. Why? Because they will learn more. Their character and their initiative will be challenged. Many leadership programs have defaulted to a solo individual learning approach. It's just you and your learning and your grades, if there's an exam. Of course, God has individual assignments for his servants, and we see this in the Bible. But do you ever see an individual who was built outside of community? So why design a leader training based on individual learning? So in small groups, provide real situations that the emerging leaders have to face and then come up with solutions for. Perhaps have a list of individual learning projects already designed that people can go do on top of their group learning. You will see who is motivated when they get to choose some specialty area of learning. Motivation will shoot through the roof. One potential danger of an individually based program design is this. Sometimes individual learners can hide in their shell and think they are growing, but they are only growing in knowledge. 
but maybe they are also growing in their pride in your leadership program. So let's keep it real. Have lots of variety. Have a great day with lots of variety and go with God. Welcome, friends, to this big day for the Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover, and it has been my privilege to be walking you through these principles of design. I said it's a big day because today we come to the last principle of effective leader development, and it's a big one because it really brings together all the intentional design principles. If you want to be a great designer of leader development programs, And if you forget the other principles, you can take a deep dive into this one and do a great job. Here it is. Effective leader development is a complex experiential collage. That's worth repeating. It is a complex experiential collage. That says it all, doesn't it? And since we know Jesus was absolutely effective in the way he built leaders, we could also say that Jesus' model was a complex, experiential collage. Of course, the collage is a collection of very different things all put together. And when they are put together, they form a beautiful, creative piece of art. Seemingly disconnected, unrelated things are interconnected, and beauty, or life, is the result. So to be effective, a leader development design must be complex. Because life is complex, and each individual is complex, and ministry is complex. Complexity is a wonderful shaper of people. It grows them. So your design needs to be both simple and complex. For example, in the connections design, we have a simple challenge in the area of knowing Christ and developing of one's calling. It's very simple. Here it is. Read John 13 through 17 slowly three times. Reflect on what God is saying to you. Write down what you learn about Jesus' call on your life. Share this and pray about this in your learning team. Now that's the simple design. This assignment by itself has tremendous potential shaping power and God often uses it. But when we put it into a complex, well-designed, longer program, it has an even bigger impact. Imagine that this assignment is amidst a number of individual and group challenges and teachings from the scripture over months or over a year, while the participants are serving daily in a ministry, while they are surrounded by key people who influence them, someone who prays for them, a ministry coach, a peer encourager, and a pastoral coach. This assignment is simple, It's facing God through scripture. It's with others. And it's 
built inside a complex context, relational, experiential, spiritual, and instructional. In addition to being a complex collage by intentional design, it also needs to be an experiential collage. By now you know, this is how God shaped individuals throughout biblical history, and it's how he has shaped you and me. Intentionally designing a complex experiential collage is really effective because it more closely reflects real life. Many leader development programs are hugely artificial in their context and their design, meaning once it's over, the learner will almost never be in that context again because it doesn't reflect real life. This means that the content and the context of training is often far removed from what people will actually face. So it's no wonder why the transfer of knowledge from the leadership program to real life is often a major challenge. The big idea here is this. Make it as real as possible. Just as Jesus made it as real as possible in his training of the Twelve and the others who followed him. Was Jesus' way predictable? Did he lead them first to know more about the Old Testament through his teaching and then have him learn about the character of humility and then know more about the power of the Holy Spirit and only then send them out to do ministry? He did not. Our thinking and designing has been so influenced by the educational model that it's hard for us to understand this. But let me say it clearly. Jesus' way of building leaders was very different. So you don't have to follow secular models, nor formal education models. Please consider how freeing this is as you design. Of course, you could use those ways to work with people. But ask yourself what your goal is. Ask yourself what method of transformation will truly help you reach your goal of a holy and holistic, healthy Christian leader. Jesus came and used a revolutionary way to build disciples. It is only tradition, boxed-in thinking, and sometimes fear of not being accepted that keeps us from following his way of doing it. Let's end today with a quote from Malcolm Weber because he says it so well. Leader development is not a simple procedure of moving through a series of predictable and successive points. Leader development is a complex and multifaceted experiential collage of diverse people, relationships, influences, assignments, tasks, responsibilities, duties, deadlines, opportunities, pressures, crises, blessings, sufferings, rejections, successes, mistakes, etc., that all work together to build the emerging leader. End quote. Friends, 
Christian leadership is difficult. It is often a fiery immersion into challenges of people in life that most emerging Christian leaders are not prepared for. So our building of leaders needs to reflect that reality. If we design it well, it can be used by God to bring deep heart issues to the surface, to be dealt with, and compelling the emerging leader to utterly look to God for success. That was a quote. Let me say that last part again. So when our building of leaders needs to reflect reality, here's the quote, in order to, quote, bring deep heart issues to the surface to be dealt with, and compelling the emerging leader to look utterly to God for success, unquote. Dr. Weber has faced reality. He's faced the situation of what emerging leaders needed, and he said ultimately what needs to be happening. Can we pause here for a minute? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is it. When an emerging leader looks utterly to God for everything, that is how we know a person has grown and changed and is ready to be launched into the stormy weather and blessings of leadership. So those are the 18 principles. Much more could be said, but I just want to thank you for going on this journey with me. When I have been doing these recordings, I've imagined that you are at your home in your study in the UK or on your way to work in Nigeria, in your car in Indonesia or on the subway in Singapore, or maybe sitting down for coffee with someone you are leading through this series. I truly hope it's been helpful. Please pardon my own cultural blinders. There are many things I'm still learning, but together, God is bringing us to a better place. I want to share a bit more with you about cultural differences and leader development design. So join me next time for that as I extend this series with one more reflection. May God bring you to himself to be a healthier person, a healthier Christ follower, and a healthier leader who knows how to follow Jesus into this amazing ministry that he is leading. Go with God and have a great day. Welcome to this special Burst Leadership Podcast. I'm Brent Hoover. And I say special because this will be a reflection on two important issues that affect the expansion of the global Christian church. And the first issue is that of culture and leader development programs and designs. And the second is Jesus and something that is more important than all these principles put together. We've just finished a deep dive into the principles of effective leader development. If you remember last time, we talked about how different individuals are. And as we all know, cultures are also vastly different. So, should leader development look similar from culture to culture? Absolutely not. 
But many church leaders struggle with this. One problem in the global church today is that a program developed in one part of the world is often copied and used in another part of the world with very little thought of adaptation. But even if some language or adaptation of content takes place, often the entire design is blind to the ways of people in that second culture, so it cannot be as effective as hoped for. I want you to imagine with me a better way. Imagine local Christian leaders together exploring the Bible and deeply understanding the principles of how people were built by God and how Jesus actually did it on earth with his disciples. Then imagine those leaders facing the reality of their own Christian leadership challenges in their own society. Together, as leaders, they decide to put themselves through their own training program. They encounter spiritual, relational, experiential, and instructional challenges. Then they use that to help them design a realistic and effective program for their own people and context. And as they lead their own ministries, they also begin to take these holistic transformational designs into their own churches and ministries. They first establish a strong spiritual culture around prayer, looking to God, and meditating on Jesus' words. Then they lovingly and carefully and prayerfully choose a few people to build. I'm talking about the right kind of people. And by the right kind of people, we mean those men and women who are in some small or big ways already thinking and acting and influencing others for God. Then the leaders design their own unique program to grow leaders using the resource and opportunities from their own culture and surroundings, from the Bible, and from the principles of Jesus' ministry. It looks and feels and works in a very native way, like nothing they have ever used before. It touches the hearts and souls and relationships of those emerging leaders in a deeply personal way. It challenges their cultural and even family biases because someone who truly knows them has designed it and there is nothing to hide. It's not too knowledge-based or too foreign or too unrealistic. It just fits. The only uncomfortable parts are when the Holy Spirit does His work through those areas of character and faith that need to be challenged. It's just like when the disciples were questioned in the fishing boat that day after the storm, where is your faith? Jesus knew their issue. Only a Jewish rabbi who grew up near the Lake of Galilee and loved his disciples and knew his goal of building their faith in a Jewish way through a Jewish culture could have done that. Because he loved them, and knew their strengths and weaknesses and where they needed to be challenged. He used teaching and real-life experiences and relationships, and when he walked among them, it was true spirituality, a fullness of the Spirit that didn't look fake at all. In fact, it looked like everyday life, but one filled with God. 
This is the better way. Local leaders in every corner of the earth looking to God, trusting Him for power and for a way to build their own generation of disciples who will lead. This is the way of Jesus. He came among us. He brought God's way into that culture, not the ways of another culture. Leadership varies from place to place, but when we do it trusting in Him, people will say, God is in that place. And that is the goal of all Christian leadership, moving people from where they are now towards the presence of God, where they are living out His purposes. So friends, be encouraged. You have been given gifts from God so you can think and act and design. You have been evaluating things your entire life. Now apply that to building people. Ask yourself, should this design work? And then go use it. While it's being used, ask, is it working well? And after you're done, ask, did it work? To put it bluntly, no well-designed program will work effectively in another culture. Because a well-designed program has gone deeply into the needs and opportunities of that culture. Globally, we as Christian brothers and sisters can and should learn from one another and share with one another. Some design concepts done in Asia have really helped me, a Westerner, see what a healthy church leader program should focus on. The spiritual dynamics we see in some of those churches in the East are so strong that it has brought to light why we lack the passion for God in churches in other regions. A sports ministry program idea from Eurasia sparked us to move forward in a bigger way in Africa and Asia. This is the cross-cultural sharing of ideas that we need. But when it comes to a specific design, here's the big idea. Do your own culturally specific design. More and more, we are becoming a global church. At one of our leader development consultations years ago, we heard this phrase over and over, the global church. Leaders from different countries did not want their own indigenous healthy church. They wanted to be a part of a global church family, learning, learning and growing together. East and West, North and South, churches learning, serving, and building leaders. The gospel is transcultural. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, and in every culture, we will need to build leaders who can serve well. Let's return to Jesus. He is the model for the church. He truly showed us, as church leaders, the way, the way of knowing God, of making disciples, of training people, shaping character, and mostly, mostly, of loving people. I want to focus on this as we close. There is much emphasis on principles and effectiveness. Remember, 
We are just noticing what God has used in the past. We are pulling out principles like the four dynamics we have talked about. But I have realized something more important than all the rest. The love of God. His love in us, His love for us, and His love through us must permeate all that we do as Christian leaders. It must guide us in our attitudes, actions, words, and motivations. People we work with must feel it coming from us. I'm convinced that it is the supreme thing that drew the disciples, shaped them, and caused them to take up their cross and follow him all the way to their own deaths. At the end of John's gospel, we see Peter in his post-resurrection regret, out on the sea, in the boat, and he caught nothing. Nothing. Let that sink in. Without Jesus, we truly will catch nothing of importance. But just the sight of the Lord on the beach invigorated him, and he dove in the water. That was always Peter. He was always all in, no matter what the result. He either succeeded big or he failed big. But the sight of Jesus changed everything. You may be a leader with a pretty empty boat. You feel like you've labored all night long and caught nothing. But Jesus is there on the shore waiting. So Peter comes out of the water, dripping wet, and sits down, and Jesus does something surprising. He does not lecture Peter about his failure to be out evangelizing. He does not rebuke his poor theology. He simply invites him to fellowship, a meal. And then he asks the question. The final question Jesus asked his most important and precious disciple in his life was the summation of his entire calling and training of this man. Peter, do you love me? If so, then I welcome you to feed my sheep. This question of Jesus shows me that the ultimate way of Jesus in building his men was the way of loving them, sacrificially, totally, to the point where they knew it without a shadow of doubt. The one with the greatest influence on others is the one who loves them the way Jesus loved. That is humbling. That is also hopeful. Because it means that even though I don't do this thing perfectly, or even if I blow it, or even if I hurt someone, if I love them deeply, that love will cover a multitude of sins and mistakes, and it will become the biggest transforming force in their lives. Not many of us had a father who was an important world leader. But can you deny that his love meant the world to you? It was not his 
influence on the world or what he did for you that really touched you. It was his love for you as a person, as a son or daughter that mattered more than anything. So it is with those we lead. We are their spiritual fathers and mothers. So the end of the matter is that the most important thing we can do with those we lead is to know, accept, and listen to them, and sometimes just to be with them. This is what it means to love them. Let's pray for that. Father in heaven, your word says you are love. You poured it out on us through the Holy Spirit, and you demonstrated it to us once for all on the cross. We do not have to worry if you loved us. We just need to walk in it more. And we need others to sense it, to see it, and to know it from us. May our leadership be characterized by love that is fully alive. We ask it in the name of the one who loves us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go with God, remain in his love, and have an amazing day. This has been the Burst Leadership Podcast. For more resources on healthy leadership, check out our website, leadersource.org.